0: Our Gospel message for tonight comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verses 1 through 21. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. And when eight days were completed for the circumcision of the child, his name was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Well, good evening again to you all, and a Merry Christmas. And It is my joy to be able to be here with you all this night. I don't know if you all realize, but preaching on... Christmas Eve is kind of a nerve-wracking thing for pastors because there are certain expectations that, that people have when it comes to Christmas. I grew up with them, and, and you you go to church, you want to hear about the, the shepherds, you want to hear about the angels who came and witnessed to the birth of the child. And... Because of that, whenever you're writing a sermon for Christmas Eve, you do a lot of soul-searching and pondering as to what, is the, what angle can be taken with this that hasn't been taken before. And it's not easy. I'm sure all of you have plans for the rest of the evening and tomorrow being Christmas, so I will do my best to be brief. Tonight, as I said, is a special night. After Easter as our holiest day and Good Friday as our most somber of days, tonight is the most sacred night in all of Christianity. Tonight we celebrate and remember the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I've already said, what, what more can I say about this, this event I could talk about the humbleness of Christ's entry into the world. How he should have been born in a palace. He deserved that. And yet, it was God's will that he be born in a stable. That he might be a savior and king for all people. Especially the lowest of the low. I could look at the example of the shepherds. Devotion to the Christ child. How they represented those that Christ came for the most. I could talk about the centrality of Christ's birth as the beginning of God's salvation to the world. All of these would be good things to look at. I have a theologian's mind and mindset, meaning that I like to dig into the meaning of things, especially as they relate to God. I can tell you from that frame of mind that the birth of Christ and the way that it happens served to turn the world system upside down, that the world as it was and as it is, is being overthrown and a new kingdom put into place as a result of the birth of Christ. A tiny peasant infant will rule the world. I could tell you about the relationship between the glory of God as an aspect of God. And Jesus the son who embodied that glory in flesh and blood. So when the shepherds saw the glory of God all around. They in essence were seeing Christ's. Essence as it would have been in his pre-incarnate state. And then they would get to contrast that with the humility of Christ in a manger. But the one thing, the one thing that I can go over and over and over in my brain and not really come up with a very... Good detailed explanation for, in my own way at least, is why? Why did all of this happen? So I mean, I said, well, so that we could be saved. Yeah, I know that that's what it did, but why? Why did he do it? Why would an all powerful, almighty, omniscient Perfect being in a perfect existence willingly decide to come out of that perfection and into what we are in here. We see in the Gospel of John the passage that my wife read as we let the Advent wreath and the Christ candle signifying that we are now transitioned from Advent to Christmas now. Then in the Gospel of John, it says that Jesus, as God the Son, existed in perfect peace and glory and communion of love with the Father through the Holy Spirit from time everlasting. He is the one through which everything that exists, everything that has ever existed, and everything that ever will exist, it is through Him that that Came into being so, why would Jesus do this? Why would He trade the glory of heaven for the muck and the mire of our existence? Let me put it a little bit different way Jesus, as the Gospel of John says, not only was near to God, but that He is God. God is perfect and above all of the pain, all of the suffering of this existence. He existed before existence existed. Why would he give up that perfect existence for what we deal with day in and day out? Why would he knowingly come here to die? For that was his purpose. Not only did he come and was born in in a barn, but he came and lived and served among broken people only to die for them. Why would he do it? Theologically, I can explain that Jesus is our substitute in a, in a sense. He is our atonement for everything that we have ever done that falls short of God's glory, falls fall short of God's best. Every time we have failed to live up to his standard, every time we have caused pain, every time we've caused hurt, he is our atonement and our empowerment To overcome sin, but why did he go through it? I can say that there is only one thing that I can find that satisfactorily answers the question of why. John 316 says, for God So loved the world, he loved it in this way, that he gave his only Son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. As I said theologically, I can comprehend at least, or at least grasp, and get a glimpse of many of the hows of God's Salvation plan through Jesus, but when it dawned on me that the why was because God loved me. That Jesus loved me enough to be born a poor peasant baby on that night. To live a life of serving and saving the lost, dying a criminal's death, and rising again the third day. That it was all out of love. That is what blows my mind. That is the thing that, to me, is the most astounding aspect of the Christmas story. God did all of it because of love. For fear of overshooting my time and no longer adding to the Christmas celebrations, but detracting from them by becoming a drone... I leave you with this. Christmas, Good Friday, and Easter are all really the same story. Beginning, climax, and conclusion. And that story has one very simple message for me, and you, and you, and everyone in the world God loves you. He loved you so much that he left a perfect existence in eternity to be born a peasant, suffer and die, and rise again. And Mr. Scott, if you would bring the screen down. words cannot explain the why words can't explain why God did it. But more than any words can explain more than any Deep treatises on theology can explain this. This explains it more than anything else. This is how much God loves you. More than words can say. But this can. Merry Christmas. We come to